Thanks for listening to our podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Peterson Toyota, your local Toyota dealer serving Fort Collins, Loveland, Windsor, and Tinmouth, and has been doing so for more than 50 years. Not only will you find the latest Toyota models, you'll also find a friendly and accommodating staff eager to assist you. You'll receive first-class attention, whether it be a service appointment, help picking out the right part for your Toyota, or test driving a new or pre-owned vehicle. Whatever you're looking for, Peterson's expert staff will help you find the one that's right for you, all at a competitive pricing and financing. Peterson strives to be the best in everything they do, and they will take care of you. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota a first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I'm Joel Candelamessa here with Mike Rowe. Got a good show for you today. We have got Joe Parker, CSU Athletic Director, coming in to join us here in a little bit. We're going to ask some of the questions you guys sent to us on the Ram Nation message boards. Thank you for participating. We'll do what we can to get through a lot of those. And uh, first, Mike and I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit of football, a little bit of basketball before we bring Joe in. And uh, I guess my first point, Mike, is I get the angst that everyone had a little, you know, by the the way that that game unfolded on on Saturday night against San Diego State. I felt it myself. <laughs> I, you, you always are thinking like, why can't we play cleaner? I mean, why can't we not? Why do we have eleven penalties and um, you know, costly timely turnovers? And I think we actually fumbled the ball four times. Thankfully, only lost one of them on on Van Shields fumble, um, but uh, late in the game would cost us a touchdown probably. But, uh, you know, I think it's just we're just we've, we've seen too many losses and in, in a tough fashion this year. And it just was kind of aggravating that we just didn't close out the game in a better fashion. You let San Diego State hang around, uh, you know, people probably pissed that we didn't cover the point spread. Like we've talked about in the past, it's uh, it, the, the gambling thing brings out the the anger in a lot of us. So um, I, I think I would like to ask Jay Norvell to take care of your boosters. Let's cover more point spreads. Uh, but we did win, and it keeps our bowl hopes alive. And, uh, you know, you got two very winnable games coming up for a chance to get to 6-6. Six and six. Winning out, winning a bowl game would be huge. It would be a nice launching pad for 2024. And um, I know we're all pissed about going over against our rivals. Uh, we're pissed at collapsing against Utah State and UNLV. Both of those, well, especially UNLV, should have been a win. And then CU, we collapsed there. We should have won that. So nothing's going to erase that. But uh, if you go 3-0 to end the season here and then have a bowl game, um, you know, I think closing 3-0 and would be like Sonny's 93 team, sort of, um, you know, that led into that dream 94 season. Just you sometimes need that momentum to kind of spark you and kind of keep fans excited. And then once it all comes together the following year, it could destiny for big things. And the schedule next year is some big nice games on there that if you win those, it could set up like a 94 year. So I think you just need to start somewhere. I just, and it drives me crazy, Mike, that people say that the CSU is not improving at all, which is silly because the offensive line has been very good this year. Special teams has been good this year. There's been a couple blips here in the recent weeks, but quarterback has been a step up, even though the last couple of weeks haven't been his best. Uh, but the team is competing to the final whistle. You know, they're showing life. They're having their teammates backs. So there's camaraderie on the sidelines. These are all important steps. So uh, what do you think, Mike? I mean, you, you brought us some good points. Yeah, it, it way too close, closer than it needed to be. But one of the things, um, we won the game. Yeah. Like, we won that game, and that's a game that we have lost 
over the last six seasons. It's it's just a game that we have lost. And this is important in the development of that next step. And you just brought up, uh, you know, 93, 94. Do you think about the end of that 93 season? We we closed out with a huge win against a ranked team at at Laramie against Wyoming. And, And that was really a springboard going into 94 you look you look at that 01 season and I talked about this last week we were four and five and we had to win those last two games and and we did that got us to six and five and then we were able to make that bowl game the New Orleans Bowl beat North Texas and that springboarded into that 2002 season yep no when we won when we won the Mountain West you know you look at at McElwain's uh, second year that 2013 season kind of the same thing you know midway through the season we had we lost to San Jose State in a horrible game uh, while they were still in the whack but we closed out strong that year and you know went to the New Mexico Bowl and we all know how amazing that was but that springboarded us into 2014 where we we're in the the Mountain West title hunt. We were a ranked team for a lot of that season, for a huge portion of that season. So this is what these last few games need to be about. And if we can get over that hump and, and if we can learn and, and we win these last two two games, you know, I, I said it last week, we go six and six and get in a bowl, that, that kind of forgives a lot of stuff that happened earlier in the season. And I think it's important for our development, especially for, for Braden, uh, for our offensive line, you know, for our young receivers, that we get those extra 15 practices and we get a chance to finish out seven and six. Mm-hmm. Um, again, yeah, it, it's 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 not – it shouldn't be our goal every year, but in a year two of a total rebuild, I think that's a that's a strong goal. And, and, if, and if we beat Nevada – we have that momentum. We go to the islands, take care of, of Hawaii, and we get in that bowl game. It's – I don't want to say a successful season, but it's a positive season. It would be a good step, and frankly, it needs to happen. I mean, if going into the season, anything short of a bowl game would have been a major disappointment for me and uh, honestly a fail. And some of the losses that we have there kind of just magnify the failure. Um you know, there's, there's a, if you don't get that Boise win, that miracle Boise win, you know, we're sitting here with only three wins still, and we're all beside ourselves. And, yep. uh, but on the other end of that, we also gave away a couple games that we should have won. So um, I, I, BFN seems to have hit a little bit of a freshman wall. I know he's struggling with his accuracy and touch a little bit. He's turned the ball over a little bit too much. He's also lucky not to have a, a pair of fumbles yesterday, fumbles lost. He, he or Saturday, uh, he, uh, he was able to recover those, thankfully, uh, or we were. But uh, he then, yeah, uh, he, he. I'm really won. wondering if he's if he's having <laughs> difficulty adjusting to the temperatures. Again, this is a California yeah. kid who moved to Texas uh, during COVID, so that he could continue his his high school playing career. Even last year, he was. I mean, by this time of the year, I think he was fourth string. Uh, you know, oh, fourth. Start. So I'm not sure if, if 
a lot of times he just he looks down at his hands yeah. and like what the- yeah he does he does he gets like, like why are you failing me hands yeah i mean i get that against the air in the air force it was a snow globe game i mean but uh you know it was perfect football weather saturday night man it was when i get friends from from texas or or california that come in those temperatures they're in heavy jackets they're again I'm not making excuses for him. I'm just, I'm just wondering because he, he, again, he just is constantly looking yeah. down at his hands, like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. So, well, he overthrew I, Justice Ross Simmons, Tory Horton, both uh, a couple, both of those probably could have been touchdowns that that weren't really close. Um, I did like um, Jay opening up the playbook a little bit with his double pass of Tory again. Tory's back in the good graces with his accuracy. <laughs> And then the Wildcat with Holker was was nice. I like seeing I like seeing him sprinkle in some new things. Um, and then how can you not be excited about Justin Marshall? Um, you know what, what's annoying, and and I think I was I was a little frustrated during the game. Like, where why haven't we played this guy yet? And I and I come back and and I see on the message boards later that night that everyone else was kind of beside themselves too and all over social. But you know. Do you remember like just a few weeks ago when Kobe Johnson was out, Avery Johnson was hurt, Damian Henderson's hurt. So that left us with Van Shield as our basically our only running back available. And they chose to spell him with tight end Peter Montini lining up in the backfield for a few carries. So uh, and at that point, I was like, all right, I remember this guy, Justin Marshall, being pretty dang highly recruited along with Damian Henderson. Where is he? And, um, you know, there was there was I, I couldn't even find him on the sideline. But anyway, Jay was asked about that after the game. He basically said Justin Marshall just wasn't ready until now. And they ask a lot of the running backs and pass protection. There's a lot of responsibility. And I don't know, I, I kind of have to question that only because, I mean, is Peter Montini going to be any better uh, and, and more well-versed as a running back and a blocker in the backfield when he doesn't even play the position? So I just thought that was a little bit weird. Um, I, I think Van Shield's done an admirable job of filling in. He saw a couple. He had a couple of really nice runs after contact Saturday, um, but the running back position, you know, with some of these injuries to our top guys, is just lacked burst and breakaway home run hitter type of ability and speed. And um, so I don't know. I just I just I find it just weird that we just wouldn't have tried just based on the fact that we were so thin. Tried Justin Marshall earlier, and then of course he gets his chance and looked really, really good. He had a nice burst, broke a couple tackles. He hits the hole quick. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I like his vision, especially for for a young kid. Now, and I'll say this: you know, the game has changed. You know, and I'm and I'm not talking about the on field game. The whole the whole process of of college athletics now, especially with the transfer portal and and now the four game, you know, the four game thing, uh, the four game red shirt. It's tough to, to play some of these younger kids. Um, you know, they have that four game window and, and let's say that we play him earlier in the year and, and then he goes back to being third string and now he's down in the dumps. Is he, is this a kid that's now going to worry about leaving? As opposed to we see him in, in game 10, tears it up. First running back since uh, 1975, I believe, that had over 100 yards in his in his debut for CSU. But now he's excited. Now he's building on to, to the next year 
while still being able to be a, a freshman yeah. next year by, by maintaining that year of eligibility. I love the rule it, when it's used right, you know? It, exactly. And so it, it's it's almost a chess mask match for our for our coaches. And I get it. I mean, I, I love the way he hit the hole. I loved his moves. I mean, he he spin moves and and quick cuts and and sideways bounces to to get through that open. His vision was was great, especially for a young kid. But he did miss a couple uh, key blocks when he was back there for uh, for pass protection. And I and I think there is something to that. And but yes, that would have been great to be seeing seeing that kind of productivity throughout the year. I mean, imagine if he if you get that productivity in the UNLV game. That UNLV nope, game. No, nope, no, nope. don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> think about. It. <laughs> well, I got to give credit though. Um, Avery Morrow, he's kind of being overlooked, and he's been playing hurt all year. But uh, that run that he had on the third and four to wrap up the game, there was nothing there. He was stymied, and he bounced it out and popped up for and got what seven yards on the play for the first down. And I tell yep. you what, he doesn't get that. If he doesn't make that play, San Diego State's going to probably – how much time was left there? A minute? Yeah, so, about a minute. So, But we've I, seen us lose it. We've seen us lose that in that situation or at least tie it and send it to overtime, you know, whatever. So um, if that if, if they get that ball back, I'm expecting at least a field goal to tie and go to overtime. So um, anyway, uh, Avery's but been it, a tough – You know, the tip of the hat, we just brought it up. We've lost two games like that this year. We lost to CU. We lost to UNLV yeah. in that exact situation right yeah. there. And we didn't this time. We got the play. We made the play that we had to make. And yeah. we won the game. Yeah. And the same thing almost happened to, against Middle Tennessee. <laughs> Thank yep. you. We've got a defensive stop in that one. But uh, uh, defense and special teams made some big plays kind of as the offense couldn't get going for a good quarter there. The defense – um, got us the safety, uh, and then the special teams recovered the muff punt, which was bizarre. Um, who was the kid that number was like, four, just just, right? just standing there as the ball is just rolling around, like recover the ball. But uh, anyway, it was funny. The there was there were you and or San Diego State players doing the same thing. There were yeah. like five players that were just <laughs> in a huddle around there. It took it took. Uh, Blackbird just running yeah. down the field and jumping on it. To, the for only us to explanation jump. is that he just didn't see that the 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 returner touched the ball, you know, because you're taught to stay away from the ball if 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 nobody touches it, right? But yeah, but obviously Henry Blackburn saw that it was touch and he got on it. Um, but our uh, our, our punt game was our best offense the first the first quarter. Absolutely, you know, yeah. Yeah. Turner did a great job. Uh, Pinning it down on the on the two yard line, um, that first punt, and for whatever reason, San Diego State deciding to do like a five seven step drop, throwing it out of deep out of their end zone, you know, and Mo coming up and his very first his very first safety of his playing career. Yeah, how nice is it to have a reliable kicker? My goodness, like when he goes on, in, on both, goes, like our punt, our punt game and our kick punter game. and our kicker. Yeah, I'm talking about Jordan Noyes. I mean, Pat Patty was great. He did have the shank, but um, but he was good at pinning pinning San Diego State all night. And the Jordan Noyes is hitting his two field goal attempts. He's been solid. 
Um, and then how about the offensive line? Um, finally kind of forged the way for a, a good running game, 202 yards on the ground, including the 119 from Justin Marshall. They kept BFN upright, zero sacks. Um, I think I read there was no tackles for loss in the entire game. Um, there were some penalties. I think there was three holding calls and then they had the two unsportsmanlike calls, one on Jacob Gardner and celebration spiking the ball on Holker's touchdown. And then the, which was, was lame. My that God. Was lame. You see, you see worse all the time. Dude, you see worse all the time. I mean, you go down to freaking 36 miles down the road, their quarterbacks throwing up his watch yeah, yeah. on the field after any, any kind of play yeah. in front of, officials never a toss a lineman finally gets us uh gets to spike the ball right and we're throwing a 15 yarder That's Although, absurd. I, how much how much of that is i mean is because of how we played early in the season with that little bit of edge and yeah now now officials are just wanting to probably to, to toss a flag on us yeah and you'd also don't know like what's been going on down there. Is it getting chippy? Has there been a lot of trash talk? And was that perceived as him spiking the ball in front of a Aztec player? I, I don't know, but I thought it was crap too. And then the late hit by Drew Moss, uh, who blasted an Aztec guy, uh, one of the defenders on a, was actually on a extra point. I think um, and he was kind of standing over a long snapper uh, on the extra point. And, and uh, I mean, it was not smart. I mean, he, he just ran, eight yards and just destroyed the guy after the whistle. But part of me kind of likes, I mean, obviously the penalties are not good and you got to be smarter, but part of me likes the fact that we're seeing fight from these guys and having their teammates back. And, you know, you saw earlier this year with Jacob Garner doing it, you know, like, look, you just cheap shotted my guy. I'm going to blast you. And so, you know, you'd like to see him maybe blow him up in between the whistle, but, uh, at the end of the day, it didn't, it didn't hurt us. didn't kill us. didn't cause a loss. So I'm okay with it. They got to be smarter, but I do like the way this team fights and has each other's backs defense. Um, three sacks, seven total um, tackles for loss. Um, so, I mean, a lot of good things in the game, there are red flags still that, that are maddening and you want to see those get better. Or we'll never kind of get to that where we want to be with competing for conference championships and winning 10 games a year. But um you know, some of the things that aren't good, your turnover margin, 104th in the country out of 130 interceptions, 129th. <laughs> We're second to last there. One, one of those, by the way, was Tory. So it's not all on, on uh BFN. Well, and a couple, though, couple were from clay. Oh, did, yeah, that's right. A couple were from clay in the first game. So um penalties though, bad 125th in the country. Um, so that's not, those things are not a good recipe. I'm just, just uh, even being bad in one of those categories is not good, but being bad in both, it's kind of why we're four and six You take away some of those in some of those other games where we could be, you know, above 500 right now. So, um, but good things were 10th in passing in the country, 3,116 uh, yards passing 311 per game BFN, uh, or we got 20 touchdowns passing we're 18th in defensive sacks mo is third in the country with 11 and a half so um, there are some good things um are are oh, i'm just really happy that our o-line is is looking competent i mean it was just so bad last year they they deserve a lot of kudos and so does ben you know this it, it, uh, just michael posted posted this and then kyle neves replied 
we're we're giving up a sack once every 35 and a half snaps this year. Last year we were giving up a sack <laughs> one out of every five and a half snaps. That's so, incredible. So pretty close. They're pretty similar. <laughs> that's incredible. I mean, that's yeah. uh, that is a huge turnaround. That's, in our wildest dreams, we couldn't have imagined that kind of not turnaround. at all. So not at all. So so there's again, there's a lot of positives. We need to win out these next two games, and then then the season again. It's not a successful season; it is a positive season going into twenty four. Yeah, and uh, I think we would all feel pretty darn good about being seven and six this year going into next year. Uh, that would be awesome. So that would be I would I would I would take that in a heartbeat. So, but there's a lot of work to do. Jay's really got to find a way to get this done. He really does. This program needs it bad. So does our fan base. So, uh, hoops <clears throat> off to two and zero start. Have our first road game tonight in Greeley. UNC Bears. They beat us eighty eight to eighty three in Moby last year. That was a not a good performance. That was a long ride home for that us. That was awful. <laughs> uh, we were pissed. Uh, so Rams are looking for payback uh, in both games so far this season. We've gotten kind of off to slow starts, but came on very strong to say the least to close out both Louisiana Tech and and then Wright State. Friday night, um, Isaiah in the most recent game, 22 points, nine of 10 shooting. He also had 14 assists. And uh, I read, I read this stat. He joins former Villanova point guard, current New York, Nick Jalen Brunson as the only players in the last 15 seasons to shoot 90% from the field while recording at least 20 points and 10 assists. So he's just doing, I mean, this is exactly what we were going to get when he said he's coming back. I mean, this is awesome. We're going to see some amazing things this year. And then you got, I mean, we're so deep. Uh, we're deep with shooters. We had five players in double figures. Uh, Nick Clifford, 19. Scott and Cartier both had 17. And then Joe Palmer went unconscious with his uh, reign of three-pointers there in, a, in that few-minute stretch. He's been really good bringing energy and kind of filling in. And uh, it's cr- crazy. When we were talking to, to Steve Ivey last week and was talking about – you know, how he's just kind of taken over that spot from Javante Johnson. And, uh, you know, he's, he hasn't relinquished it. He's practices hard. He brings energy. And that's kind of what you want from that guy in that uh, role from the bench shot 64% from the game, 41% from three. So um, big, it was, it was a, what do we score? 105 points. So (laughs) it was nice, nice to see an offense explode like that. But um and then the reports of our rebounding demise were greatly exaggerated because <laughs> we we uh, we bounced back after a tough rebounding night in the opener. We out-rebounded Wright State 27-21. So, um, and then the differences you're seeing between this year and last year, like it's nice to have a this presence inside. We got more length and athleticism. Our points in the paint, we outscored Wright State 46-26. to Um Bench points. So we're deeper 26 to six. <laughs> That's nice to see uh, getting production from the bench. And then um, defensively uh, we, we've we're much better this game than we were in the opener, but uh, points off turnovers, 28 to seven. So those are things that will lead to a blowout win. And that was good to see, but um, Mike uh, UNC two and oh, they've, they've beaten Colorado college and uh, Northern New Mexico, but CSU, do you know this? We haven't played in Greeley in eight years. The last time we played there, um, we lost 73-64 with Eustachie. That was with GN and yep. uh, 
Magbo and yeah. Yeah. We UNC, uh, UNC actually um leads the series when we play in Greeley 24-18. So um well, I remember Dorian Dorian in uh that class. I, I uh with Timmy Miles going in there and, and just getting crushed. You know, it's a high school gym, basically. They're mm-hmm. on top of you. And yeah, their students, their students love this game. You know, it, it's they couldn't get into CSU, so just <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Uh UNC's a great school, great, especially for education. Um, but you know, they they take this game very serious. Uh, and, and, and their students and their fans do, and, and and they're just on top of you. And for whatever reason, this game it really gives them a huge, a huge home court advantage. Um, you know, before we get into into this game, I just want to say it's been fun watching these first two games and and seeing how quickly we could fill it up. Um, you know, we were down eleven. To, to La Tech, and then when we were just going back and forth, we had that stretch where we went on a 20-2 run it, over like three three minutes. Yeah. It was just bam, 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 bam. You know, you look at you look at the Wright State game, I think we had, we had gotten that lead up to about 9-10. It was kind of going back and forth, but they, they hit some shots and cut it down to six. And that's when we came down and with and this is with our bench players, Casey Evans came in and nailed a three. Then we get stops and on both the returns, Palmer hits hits two threes and, and we went from a six point game to a fifteen point game like that and yeah. it was game four. And you did it with Zay going to the bench. Uh I think Joel Scott went to the bench. Yep. And Cardi went I, to the bench. Clifford was the only one that was on the on the Court at that time right. from our starters. Yep. So those three starters go to the bench and we go on that run. I think it was an 11 to two run, you know, and that's like when you're just trying to hold on for dear life without three of your best players on the court and they, they go up on 11 to <laughs> run. So that that's, that's very encouraging seeing the bench. And um, yeah, this team has got a lot of scores. If they can stay, um, if they can play good D and rebound a little bit all the rest of the year, I mean, that they are going to be formidable really really good and you obviously get great guard play from zay and um so this, this and, game- and, and lake and lake and strong are gonna get theirs the you know strong still seems like he's trying to get back into into playing and i don't want to say playing shape but i mean you know you, you you take almost an entire year off you know mentally like it just understanding the 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 feel the the speed of the game and and he's having he's being asked to do so much on the defensive end. I and, and same with Lake whenever he comes in off the bench that I, you know I, I I see too much negativity, especially pointed at those two right there. Um, but I think they're doing a great job defensively, and I think they're going to start finding theirs on the offensive end as well. Well, UNC is, I don't think they, they've lost a bunch of their players, um, but they are, they have won three of the last four games against us in Greeley. Um, they are 224th in Ken Palm. We're 10 and a half point favorites. I like our chances to go in there and, and win, but it'd be a little leery of the cover. 
Um, and it, and this is yeah, baffling yeah. to me, Mike. This is the, the run that that UNC has had against us in multiple sports. And no disrespect to UNC, but it's disgraceful on our part because I mean, you, you look at the large gap in support, finances, facilities, and this team is uh, UNC. All right, so we lost last year in home and men's basketball. We lost in women's basketball on the road last year. I think it was a triple OT game. And then volleyball yeah. lost this year in five sets to volleyball. And they've, lost, and they've lost three straight to the Bears. Yeah, that's right, three straight. So that, I mean, UNC has owned us in recent years. This is terrible. So, And, and, and I, think, I think it's two straight in women's basketball as well. Well, we we cannot stumble tonight against this team. We got to get back on track against uh, UNC. Uh, they did lose four players to transfer portal this offseason, including their star forward, Dalton Connect. And you know where he went? Tennessee. And yep. he, he threw up 20 against uh, who they beat. They, uh, yeah, he threw up 20. Yeah, 24 is in the opener, 17 in the second game. And he was named this week the SEC Player of the Week. So, yeah, and, pretty, and nice finally, little, pretty nice transfer. Finally graduated. Bodie Hume's finally gone. I mean, yeah. Geez, that game two years ago when we won, when we did win, I mean, he couldn't miss from three. He got so tired by the end from making all those threes, he finally started missing. But, man. <laughs> right. He he gave it – he he had them up by double digits for a long time, long stretch in that game. Yeah. Yeah, again, it, it's it's a huge game for, for them, and, and it needs to be a huge game for us. And I know how much we talked about it last year. But I really think that this game has been circled by by the staff. I think by Isaiah, by Lake, those guys, Cartier, those guys that uh, that are coming back from the program. And you know, when you have Scott and and Neek, who both grew up in the state, I think I think it does add a little bit more edge for our Rams going into this game, then, you know, maybe it hasn't had, had the last few years. Bears were picked uh, second to last in the big sky conference. So, um, you know, this is a, this is a win you got to have. Um, they've got uh, a quad, a quadruple set of guards uh, or a set of juniors um, guard du jour Reeves, junior forward, St. Thomas. He transferred from Loyola Chicago and uh, forward Brock Wisney, if that's how you pronounce his name, uh, kind of their players to watch. Um, and then, of course, they got former Ram star Dorian Green on the on the bench as a assistant coach. So looking forward to seeing him and uh, watching the Rams play tonight. I am heading up to Greeley, going up with Johnny B. Um, so looking forward to seeing us live. I was unable to get to the two games at Moby so far this year. So um, this will be my first my first chance to see the crew. Have fun, yeah. No, it's uh, unfortunately Willow got bit by a dog at the tailgate on Saturday. Yeah, so she's been home. So I'm 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 with her. I was really hoping to make it up up tonight, but that's not going to happen. We got a lot of games left. Uh, we'll we'll yep. be getting to so a lot of a lot of fun hoops to go. All right, before we bring in Joe Parker, let me pause real quick and tell you about Ginger and Baker. Stop in for an amazing dinner at the Cash, where you can enjoy fine steaks and chops and good whiskey or select from their award-winning wine list. Or you can check out the Cafe, which is a little more casual with a wide offering of American comfort food classics. And if you need any help 
with your Thanksgiving meal. November 17th is the deadline to order your Thanksgiving pies, Parker House rolls, cinnamon rolls, sticky buns, sourdough, and quiche. Check them out. Give them a call and order that before November 17th. Don't forget, they also feature a coffee shop, event spaces, and a teaching kitchen, the latter of which has a ton of great events showing you how to make cocktails and special meals. Check out gingerandbaker.com slash calendar for a full list. This place is amazing, guys. We love this place. Support our friend Ginger Graham and treat yourself to our world-class experience at our favorite place, Ginger and Baker. All right, we're happy to welcome in CSU Athletic Director Joe Parker for our monthly discussion. Joe, first, uh, it was great to see you and Jen. Saturday night in the OCR. I think that was uh, an important win for our program. It keeps our bowl hopes alive and uh, hasn't really gone the way any of us wanted this season, but um, there are some strides being made. You can see that. And, um, you know, I think for me, perhaps the biggest indicator of, of the change in this program is that you can just kind of see, like we sit right on the, uh, when, when we're not in the OCR, we could sit right in the front row of our, our section and you just see the interaction between the players and the, there's actually, they're a pretty tight knit group. And then when you watch all the videos put out by the athletic department, um, you really get that sense that they're all bought in. They're all, you know, fighting for each other. So um, I guess my first question is you're around the program a lot, obviously, and you are in the locker room after and before games. What what are you seeing from this this program, uh, regardless of record? Yeah, I think all the things that you've just mentioned, I mean, it's a, a tight, cohesive group. You know, Coach Norvell came in and said, you know, that he was going to really focus uh, first, foremost, and always on culture. And, you know, he, he really believes, you know, football is such a difficult game that you have to care about each other to play for each other. And so, you know, relationships are important to him, making sure that uh, he and the staff are fostering relationships with uh, the students and that the students themselves are beginning to understand and care about each other to their core is what it's all about. And I think you, you see that, I mean, it's a, you know, we, we, we use that Ramley term a lot, but I think that's something that, uh, you know, football is living each and every day and it's, it's really gratifying to see it. So I'm excited about, about that. You know, I think culture, culture, uh, you know, whoops on strategy every day. I mean, you got to have a sound strategy as well, but you know, culture is what, what really drives every organization forward. And I think Jay is focused on that, making sure that he's trying to elevate it every, every moment that he can. Well, and then uh, basketball, uh, UNC tonight. Will you be there? Yeah. 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 I've got, I think my last meeting wraps at four and then I was going to swing by the house and, and uh, head on out to Greeley. So. Well, I saw Nico in the OCR as well on Saturday night and he was, we were talking a little bit about the previous two wins and then the upcoming game against UNC. And he was quick to remind me that the bears beat us in Moby last year. And I was kind of like, Nico, don't worry. I, I don't, forget that. <laughs> and uh, the uh, they've been a little bit of a thorn in our sides in several sports, which is a little perturbing lately, but um, it's been a good start for the Rams in, in their first two games. What are you expecting to see out of this, this program this year? What, what would you, what would be an ideal result? Yeah, this I, season? I, you know, we, we set an expectation for every one of our coaches, every one of our programs, and it's, and it's an expectation that every coach, you know, embraces. And that's, you know, we, we want every one of our coaches routinely to finish in the top three of the conference, because if they're doing that, there's going to be 
a year where, you know, where everything kind of comes together, including, you know, the right mixture of, of luck and good fortune that allows us to, you know, compete and earn a championship. So, you know, that's where I see men's basketball. Um, you know, there, I see it as a return to the trajectory that Nico established a couple of years ago, that final season that we had with David Roddy, it feels like we've got, you know, great talent, great chemistry. And, and again, much like football, the, the players care deeply about each other. And that's not easy to create that, you know, with, with, you know, the, the environment of the transfer portal, but Nico and his staff, you know, they've done a really nice job in identifying students who will thrive in this environment. And, um, you know, case in point, you know, Nick, Nick Clifford, um, you know, I spent some time with him a few weeks back when we were still in the regular season of soccer. He was out there supporting the program, just standing kind of in the corner by himself. So we got in a conversation and I asked him, you know, why, why CSU? Why did that feel right for you at this moment in time? And he said, because, you know, these coaches want to invest in me as a person and a player. And I, I feel that I felt it when they recruited me out of high school he said, I got kind of clouded by, you know, just the the bigger stage of the Pac-12 and, and what I thought CU could mean for me. But he said, uh, you know, I'm really comfortable with my decision now that I'm a part of the CSU Ram family. So I, I just, I, I love everything about our programs. We've got the best cohort of coaches that I've ever worked with and I'm proud of what they're doing each and every day. So we got some tough questions today. And the first one, What's your favorite color? That's been a, that's been brought up on the message board multiple times. Yeah, you know, I, I wear this orange hat a lot, so you know, I never I never really counted orange as a favorite color until you know I became a part of uh, the Colorado State family. But I do dig on that orange cap. Yeah, I, I, I see you in it a lot. So <laughs> pumpkin is is I think what you meant. And I've seen you dancing in that hat. <laughs> It uh, it just brings that part of my personality out. <laughs> so, um, with with we still have a very strong shot at, at making uh, reaching bowl eligibility. Are you personally in discussions right now with the Mountain West and, and other bowl officials about a selection process? It, it's a little bit early, you know. I mean, I know there's two two weeks left, but it, it gets pretty. It'll start getting intense. Um, you know, next next week, I think we have our first Mountain West meeting scheduled to start those conversations, and then, you know, through that Thanksgiving weekend, um, you know, we'll we'll, we'll kind of get more focused. But, you know, it, it's laid out relatively clearly, at least, you know, who the the top competitors of the conference, you know, what 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 the expectation is for them. Um, I'm just thrilled to you know be at this point in the season and still still have that as a possibility. Um, you know, it's it's hard to win. You know, we played a lot of close games. I think we've seen a lot of positive from our team this year, but boy, it'd be great to close out the next two weekends, finish with six wins, and and know that we have an opportunity to continue to compete this season, get 15 additional practices and in one more game and you know, have a chance to finish this season in seven and six. That'd be awesome for this program to do that. Any chance we could not go to Boise? <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I, you know, we're going to go where, you know, where we, where we're told in some ways to go and where we, you know, advocate and encourage ourselves to be a part of, you know, I, I know that that experience wasn't great for anyone, myself, included. 
And, you know, much of that was weather related. So hopefully, hopefully we just align with the, if, if that's the case, hopefully we align with a much better weather weekend and, and uh, we don't have those conditions on the field and we don't have to experience that. But that was, that was bone chilling cold. That was not fun. <laughs> it was brutal, brutal. If you do go to one, we have some early, early bowl season dates. Is how tough is that to uh, turn around in just a couple, what two, three weeks to uh, put together a, a trip? When you uh, don't know where you're going. Yeah, you know, I mean, we 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 focus obviously on the team party. You know, that's the most important uh, you know group to to you know manage the logistics <clears> for. And you know, we've got a lot of experience with moving a team. You know, so the the base element is you know securing the charter and and after that, you know, it, it's it it rolls pretty easily. Um, and, you know, we've got really good people in, in football on the administrative side with Tim Cassidy and, and Colton Bosnos, both of whom, particularly Tim, who's done this so many times that, you know, he just dusts off the playbook that he's used in the past. And, you know, he could do it with both arms tied behind his back. And then Matt, Matt Klein and Steve Cottingham, Matt in our business office, who's our CFO and Steve, who's our deputy AD. Those those four do the heavy lifting plus the equipment room. So and then and then obviously you know the, the coaches and players. But you know the, I'm, the schedule's built already. You know based on every scenario that they might encounter. Mm-hmm. Well, a couple of random questions for me. And when I saw you in the OCR, it reminded me to ask you this. But um, we, you and I, were talking not long ago, and you said, "Hey, how's your experience in the OCR? We've had a little bit of a dip in our." OCR purchases this year and um, just curious, have you guys put together any ideas on what you could do maybe differently down there? Um, I like it. I think it's, you know, it's right next to my seats. I've told you that. So there's a nice little access for me there and, you know, it's got the full bar in there. It's warm. It's cool being on the sidelines. I like bringing friends down there because they think it's pretty, you know, pretty cool. It's right there behind the players and all that. And my son loves when the players come in and out of the the locker room before or at halftime. And then after the game, he gets to give them fist bumps. And um, so all that is really cool, but there's, you know, there's, then there's some aspects of like, why am I paying $400 a ticket? There's not really anything in there other than the access, the drinks or the drinks. You got to get to pay 15 bucks for a drink. And then, then you only have pretzel stand in there for food. So what you guys talked about things you can do to add value there. Yeah, we're constantly, you know, talking about it, thinking about it. Um, you know, I, I, I self-admit, I don't think we've got the right formula yet. Um, you know, you go to the New Belgium porch and, you know, there's no, never been a, a game since the building's opened where there hasn't been, you know, just a special energy in that north end zone because of that environment. Um, and that's what I'd love to see in in the OCR. So we've got to, we got to figure out a way to, you know, improve that experience for everyone. Um, you know, I guess, you know, food's a part of it. We've talked to Oakview Group, which is our concession catering partner about, you know, what we can do down there. You know, we we didn't kind of do core design elements that would allow, you know, a, a easier food service, you know, bar, drinks, um, you know, that, that obviously we have that. I've gotten feedback about the size of the televisions. Um, you know, and and that was probably a, a miss on our part when we were trying to put the whole stadium package together. But you know, there's at, at that moment in time, you know, you're you're trying to fit within a budget, and we were trying to buy practice fields, so we were 
you know, looking at everything we could do to kind of manage to the right number so that we had enough of that contingency remaining, which was over $2 million to buy the practice field. So, you know, we, we you know, I, I get it. People weren't in the room at the time we made some of those decisions. So it's, it's easy to kind of criticize after the fact, but um, you know, that, that's something we'll consider in the off season, you know, there's maybe a way for us to, to just enhance that. Maybe that'll improve it. You know, we've talked about, you know, perfect player place for some of our alumni players and, and Patrick Kersey has done an amazing job in helping us, you know, reconnect and engage with a lot of our alumni players. We've had, you know, Bradley Van Pelt and, and uh, EJ Watson and many, many others back routinely this season. And, you know, maybe there's a way for us to, to kind of stack the deck a little bit with some of our, our Ram greats, you know, Ram legend personalities that might be, nice for people to associate have conversations and reconnect with them as former players in that space, you know, the, and, and I'll use this as, since you mentioned OCR, you know, we, we have discovered um, and witnessed several times, you know, behavior that we're not excited about uh, when, when the team hasn't been performing to expectations, people uh, have focused a lot of negative comments on our sideline and, and our players have talked about that. So you know, we're, we're paying attention to that and trying to monitor that more carefully. And, you know, I, I, I finally made the connection. Maybe this isn't what happens, but, you know, I, you know, I can't wager on sports, but I'm sure people do and they might be in the OCR and they've had a few pops and they're, you know, thinking about, you know, the direction of their betting and, and they get upset and they vent. And, you know, I, I, I hope people can be, you know, understanding that, you know, we still have 18 to 22 year olds and, and, you know, negative words have negative impact. And so making my pitch to just be healthier and how people want to interact with the sideline, because it was never intended to be a place where, where people would uh, diminish their own team. So, and, you know, so that's, that's a comment. It's only a few people probably that have done that, but, but it's been recognized. Um, so yeah, and I you know I'd, I'd love to figure out a way to kind of build the the experience back up and and maybe even use a portion of the Hall of Champions for you know food service or another area where people can can circulate and and get down to. And then I've also thought about too, is there ways to improve access you know directly from the seating bowl into the OCR? So we're we're trying to look at that a little bit to make make uh, the transition from seats to the OCR a little bit easier and better. Well, for, first, I think you're right on the money with the the wagering thing. I think that has a big impact on why people get so so irate on social media, and and that's probably why you've seen it in the past in person. Have you? But just uh, as an aside, have you heard any of those complaints this year? Because I I did notice it in previous years, but this year I have not seen a single instance. I think it's been pretty good. Yeah, I, th I think we heard a little bit out of the, the the Washington State weekend. You know, I mean that was. You know, everyone was expecting, you know, probably a better performance from the program. And and that was maybe one of our least competitive games. So gotcha. Um, regarding uh kind of sticking with the the game experience, I'm not I don't think I'm the only one that's brought this up or frustrated by this, but I feel like there's a lack of replays that we show on the on the board, particularly when there's a controversial call or a replay challenge. I don't know if there's a Mountain West or an NCAA rule written or unwritten that asks you or, you know, not to show controversial replays for safety of officials. But, you know, as a paying fan, it gets 
a little frustrating that people at home that aren't at the games get to see every replay and every angle multiple times when we're sitting in there like, what happened? Did this really happen? Was he in? Was he out? That kind of stuff. So is that something that's a thing or is we just... Um, you know, I'll, I noticed that myself this last weekend and didn't uh, didn't fall through on, you know, asking our broadcast services team about that. So I'll I'll jot a note to myself. Short pencils better than a long memory. And I'll, I'll ask that question and maybe have a better answer for you next time. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, so this was brought up on the message board a few weeks ago. Um, what's the Mountain West uh, procedure? What's their po policy? on protesting or reviewing officiating after a game um how often do we do this are you in, in talks with them after every game like okay this is what we're seeing here this is what jay has brought up or or nico or ryan yeah, or yeah it, it, it gets localized really within the the coaching staff so there is a process where you know if there's questionable calls or they want to or enter but it's probably more than that you know they you know, coaches want to understand how a game is going to be called. So if there's something that they see that, you know, is kind of conflicts with the way that they may have interpreted it, they want they want feedback so that they can teach and instruct and, and coach, you know, the students appropriately for the same situation that they might encounter in the future. Mike DeFee is our new um, director of officials for the sport of football. So, you know, the process is, you know, um, uh, can't remember what the deadline is. I think it's by 8 a.m. on Monday morning. Might be earlier than that on Sunday. Uh, you know, if there's any plays that they want reviewed, you know, they they send those video clips to Mike, and then he'll do an assessment and engage with the the officials that were part of the game to you know get their thought and feedback, and and then the loop gets closed back into into our football. Uh, program of you know feedback back to Jay and others from Mike DeFee and it's it's a pretty good process I think you know the, the coaches appreciate it I think Mike, you know this is the first year that Mike has been in that role um, and um, he's been I think really a, a welcomed resource from the coaches not just here but um, at uh, at our other schools in the Mountain West and then we do our spring meetings in April where we uh, it's called joint council. So that's the AEs, the faculty athletic reps, the SWAs. And then we have meetings, you know, full sessions with men's basketball, women's basketball, and football. And at each of those three coaches meetings, it's the ADs with the head coaches and conference staff. And then they always carve out a segment for um, the head of officials and those respective sports to come in and talk. And, you know, each of the officials are graded out you know, those officials that that uh, really haven't met the standard, you know, they're they're not able to participate in postseason play, whether it be bowl games or or, uh, you know, the NCAA tournament. So there is there is a, a level of accountability um, that, you know, fans probably don't see and aren't aware of. What were your thoughts uh, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago now on the uh, the snowball incident versus Air Force? I remember, I think it was last month, you were telling us that you guys have HD cameras throughout the stadium. You're able to see what fans are doing. But could we not, like, pinpoint the culprit of where those snowballs were coming from and just kick that person out rather than, like, I thought it was weird. We moved, like, the whole student section up 10 rows. Um, well, and, then, and then apparently there was a lemon thrown Saturday night, too, that kind of interfered with the game as well. 
Yeah, I didn't I didn't see the lemon, so that's news to me. But I heard uh, Joe or I heard uh, Jay say it after the game, and that's okay. that was that was okay. when the officials came on and said, please don't throw anything on the field. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so what what people didn't see or weren't aware of in that first half of the Air Force game, we we did have 21 ejections from the student oh. section, people throwing snowballs. Um, so you know, we we identify them and and then you know put people in the crowd, you know, to, to invite them to leave. Um, we, we take their, uh, con, you know, their information, identity, uh, school ID, um, and then they get pushed into student conduct for the disruptive behavior that they've created. Um, and then from an athletic perspective, we, uh, we no, notify them that they're no longer uh, invited into our environments for a full year. So, so the behavior comes with consequences and it just, it just continued even in spite of our efforts to eject students. And um, so, you know, a lot of conversations with the officials and, and the impacts that was having on the Air Force sidelines. So we, we really had no choice other than to activate uh, Allied United, you know, our, our partner for, for stadium game management security, along with law enforcement and move the students. Uh, I think we took them 15 rows higher. And at that point, that, that pretty much stopped all the snowball throwing activities. So, and then, you know, and then we get, you know, I know that, you know, I saw some of the feedback on social media, you know, you work so hard to invite students to the games and get them there. And, and then you, you do that to them. Well, you know, I mean, that, I'm not sure that's a fair, you know, you know, the expectation is that everyone behaves accordingly and, and, you know, throwing objects on the field is, is not something that's going to, you know, that, that can have impact on the game. Um, it did. You got a penalty. Yeah. That's simply not something that we're going to permit to have happen. So if people have issue with us, if that's the way that, you know, students or others want to express their, their, whatever, you know, the fun that they think they're having, you know, that then if that's stomping fun and throwing a wet blanket on it, you know, I guess they're going to have to get used to that because if that were to continue, we're going to have to figure out ways to mitigate it and manage it. Well, I thought it was, I, I didn't like the fact that the officials called the penalty, but knowing what I know now, based on what you've said, I mean, that sounds like that was the, they had to go that route to, to finally get people to stop. So otherwise, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we, you know, I, I ended up in the command center right at the first of the half. Mark Paquette does an awesome job. He's our associate AD for, for facilities and game management, you know, took that role after Doug Max retired and, you know, Mark's in the command center the entire game. And so he, he called me and Steve and we, you know, immediately got there and you know, had a quick conversation. He said, here's what I want to do. And, you know, I said, do it. You know, there's no other way to control it. And, and uh, there was really no hesitation. on our part. So by the time they were able to activate, you know, the resources to make that happen, you know, we were, we were already in the start of the second half and, you know, unfortunately the penalty was thrown. Yeah. Well, Jay said after the game that they were, it was on the play where they did the wildcat with Dallin Holker. And they were trying to get to line quick, quick, and run it quick, but the officials had to stop play because the lemon was thrown on the field. And Jay actually mentioned it in the post game. He's like, "Yeah, we were trying to go quick, and then they someone threw a lemon, and then they had to stop everything and tell ask fans not to throw." And so we, they, Jay said he they thought about maybe changing the play at that point because they had lined up, but yeah. uh, they ended up doing it again and they scored. So yeah, uh, we we need to we need to 
that needs to be better. Fans, fans need yeah. to be better with that. Well, we, we need to do, do, you know, let them understand, you know, the impacts, you know, I mean, it, you know, it sounds like fun, you know, lone kid does it, but you know, I mean, that's, that's not acceptable. We need to make them understand that it can have negative impacts on the team they're there, there to support. So it just doesn't make sense. Right. Right. we got a question from Austin in Arvada. Uh, he said that we we came into the season off five losing seasons. Um, it's it's uh, the, well the best in our in that span was a four win campaign in 2019. This year we started three and six. Although we do still have a chance at a bowl game if we went out. Student attendance has been really good, but the casual fan base has kind of dwindled as the season goes. How do we keep the fan base engaged when the program doesn't meet the expectations? That's a great question and something that we have struggled with for quite some time, you know, and I don't think it's localized to the last five years, you know, I mean, you talk to people who've been a part of CSU football for a long time and, and, uh, you know, that there has to be a baseline element of competitiveness and then there has to be, you know, some deliberative wins, I think, for our fan base to stay you know, really engaged, you know, very much appreciate the support of the students that we've seen over really the last three seasons since we came out of COVID. And, and certainly we've got, we've got a core group of fans that, you know, regardless of game outcomes, they're, they're there, you know, they've created a, a community around CSU football that they like to be a part of. And we just got to keep building that. And, and, and we'll, we'll, we're going to see that. I mean, it's, you know, I'm, so confident what co what coach Norvell is doing and how he's doing it that you know we're gonna we're gonna reach um you know those moments where we're you know routinely winning eight nine you know ten hopefully more games in a year and uh ascending to the college football playoff because that's that's what we're doing that's what we're trying to accomplish you know we're making these investments for that reason so these next couple of questions are from uh David in Georgia, who you met at the uh, Middle Tennessee State oh, game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, has the has the football coaching staff asked for anything that we've been unable to provide them due to lack of funds? Um, and what what were they if there was? And uh, would the impact would they impact our ability to be successful? Um, answer would be yes, um, but but. You know, what, what's great about Coach Norvell and his staff and really all of our coaches is that, you know, they, when I've been in other places, you know, when I was at Michigan, Oklahoma, Texas, um, you know, Texas Tech, even Washington State, there there was not much effort to really, um, you know, tease apart a need versus a want, right? You know, I, I think you know, needs are, you know, those must-haves that that really, I think, can, you know, catapult you forward with, with uh, you know, some level of competitive advantage. You know, wants are those things that are, you know, just the fad in the moment and the next shiny object. And so I think we've, we've really organized a really strong discipline in partnership with our coaches to, to really work hard to fulfill needs at all times. And it may not be that we can address it in a, a certain year, uh, given, you know, the budget decisions that we've already made, but usually in the next fiscal cycle, you know, we're able to, you know, free up budget dollars to make, you know, those things deemed needs happen. Um, you know, examples of where we haven't been able to accelerate as quickly as we'd like, you know, there's, there's some new helmet technology, you know, instead of being able to just retool the equipment room immediately, we've, 
we've you know done a phased approach to make that happen. Um, I know the weight room, uh, Jordan Simmons and his staff would would like to upgrade and improve the the uh, sound system. Um, you know, there's been uh, you know food and nutrition are always something that you know every one of our programs wants more of. Um, you know, so we've had to be really thoughtful on how we've managed resources around training table and the feeling station. Uh, you know, um, me me mental health is a huge thing, right? For, for every, every department. And, you know, we've got an orientation now that I think is really, really great, you know, so we've got great resources in place to manage, you know, clinical concerns and those, those things that, you know, are kind of a, acute issues that, that all of society experiences, but but we we made a hire in a fellow named Russ Barr who's been phenomenal because he he's got the bandwidth to kind of scope across those needs plus a real attentiveness to just the sports performance you know performance anxiety kind of kind of portfolio of of needs when he can have conversations. Ross is a great resource. We've got another halftime person. Um, we can we can. Uh, utilize resources at the CSU Health Network, um, but we would love to eventually, you know, hire another full-time person that works under Ross's direction that, you know, spreads that that workload across, you know, at least two two full-time professionals. That's another area of of you know what I would deem need. Um, but you know, Mike, for the most part, you know, we we do really well. There's probably, you know, if, if you ask the same question of Jay, there's probably gaps in. And um, you know a recruiting budget that that would that would uh, you know make it a little bit easier. We we um, you know you get in that moment in time when you're leading up to uh, signing day, and and we we have put you know a small budget together to provide you know some flexibility for private charter because you just get in a moment where you need to be in multiple places in a, in a fixed period of time, and the only way you can do it is to to go wheels up with, uh, you know, a private plane and, and, um, you know, there's probably more occasions where we'd like to do that. Um, but, but can't because of bus budget constraints. So hope, hopefully that's enough, uh, on the plate for Ram nation to, to start calling Marcus palace and his team and volunteering their help in ways, uh, they might not have been thinking about before. I like that. <clears throat> uh, I want to, uh, piggybacking off, off the helmet topic. Um, with what's going on at your alma mater right now, has there been more talk uh, amongst athletic directors in, in, in the Mountain West about the NCAA moving to an NFL type of system where the quarterbacks have have the microphones and, and speakers in their helmets that they could communicate with the sidelines as opposed to sending in plays, uh, sending in signals that have been recently uh, picked up by opposing uh, teams. Yeah, no, I, you know, we haven't, we haven't put it on as an agenda item within the Mountain West uh, yet. That, that's the kind of thing that will probably make its way, um, you know, to us eventually. The, the NCAA has a, a group that's called the Football Oversight um, Committee. And, um, uh, you know, I'm sure that there'll be a lot of discussions in the offseason about that you know, as a result of what's happened at Michigan and within the Big Ten. 
I, I think it'd be a great thing, you know, I, and I can't imagine, I've never done any due diligence to understand the investment required, but it doesn't seem like it's, it would be that big of a, an investment for any, any one of us. You know, we've got our coach com communication system on the sideline. That's that big, big box that's, you know, wrapped in CSU branding that all the headsets are, are uh, tied into and, and up into the press box. I mean, that unit itself is about $120,000 and that's, that's deploying, you know, I think at least 15 headsets on the sideline in the press box. So to be able to wire in, you know, one more that's, you know, specific to a helmet for a quarterback seems to be uh, probably a very low financial threshold to meet that. Back to, back to David's next question. Um, do we still ever deal with partial qualifiers? Uh, has any of the staff on any of the programs come up to you and say, hey, we have this kid. What do we need to do to get him into CSU or her into CSU? Uh, they don't call it a partial qualifier. I mean, the NCAA, you either are a qualifier or you're a non-qualifier through the clearinghouse. Um, but but then, you know, every institution has their own admission standards, you know, that they're looking for. You know, we no longer use a standardized test, so it's a more holistic review of of a, a prospective student's application <laughs> materials. Um, there, there has been occasions where, you know, a, a student that's, you know, of interest to one of our coaching staffs, you know, isn't quite profiling with the same um, level of, um, you know, academic uh, stability that, that uh, you know, uh, you know, the majority of the students that might come to CSU have. So there's, there's a process, a rigor that we put in place to, to make sure that that student um, you know, the, the areas of, of concern or deficiency in their, in their academic record to date are identified and that we find the appropriate resources through our, our student athlete support services unit to support that student when they are admitted. And, and so, you know, that, that happens, I don't know, maybe, maybe once or twice every other year, you know, sometimes never in a year and sometimes one or two times in a year. So, and, and uh, you know, then it's incumbent on us if we bring them to campus, a student to campus that we, you know, wrap, wrap support around them and, and make sure that they're, they're staying focused. And, and we've had really strong success and we'll continue to have success. You know, as a land grant institution, you know, as you know, it's, it's always been about access to education and, and giving people that opportunity to improve themselves through a higher education experience. Well, here's a few, uh, the opposite of what's your favorite color questions. This is from Riley in California. He's a little bitter about the state of the football program. And he had a, a, a few questions. So you can, you can kind of rapid fire, go through these so we can get through them all. But um, his first question dates back to the Adazio uh, hire. What was the thinking behind hiring him when it clearly was not very well received by our fan base or the nation? Um, and do you think that putting the requirement of that coach needing to have head coaching experience um, that hampered that that search at all? Um, so I, I, you know, I, I I'm going to go back and answer this with a little more global perspective. And I don't know if people are going to appreciate this or not. I think we've talked about this on the show. I think we've talked about it maybe even offline. But um, you know, Bob Davis retired. 
Uh, they hired Tuffy Mullison. I think Tuffy to Jay, we've had 12 head coaches in the history of the program. So that that encompasses, what, 50 years or so of CSU football, maybe a little bit more. Um, and of all of those tw 12 head coaches, there's only one that, that was able to take the body work they created here at CSU and use that to continue their coaching career as a head coach. And that was Jim McElwain. Jim was here only three seasons. Um, you know, Sonny was remarkable, you know, 15 year run, six conference championships, but you know, you know, we, we, we all, we all know, you know, the university's decision, you know, at the end of his career. So, you know, we, we don't have a history of sustained success except for, you know, some of those stronger years that, that Sonny was able to create. And, you know, so thankful that we've got that as part of our history that we can point towards. Uh, but, but it's been a, a challenge, I think, to find the way forward. And, and, you know, Ryan may not agree with Riley may not agree with that. Um, you know, Mike Bobo is one of the best people I've ever met in my entire life. I think he's, uh, an extraordinarily talented football coach. You know, he's back at Georgia and won a national championship as an offensive coordinator. So, you know, I mean, I think he could have been really good for CSU. People forget in 2018 that he had a, uh, you know, for a while, a very unknown and, clearly uh, impactful illness and people just breeze right through that. And um, I was disappointed at the lack of compassion that I felt from our fan base for Mike in that moment. And I think it was really hard for Mike to recover from that. And, and, you know, we decided to, to make a change and he, he was amazing in that moment. And I applaud him for that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I diagnosed that, you know, I felt like what our program needed in that moment of time was someone that had made every decision they were ever going to make as it related to a football program. And I felt like Coach Adazio was coming from uh, Boston College, where they were probably one of the most under-resourced programs in the Amer or, uh, ACC, and, uh, and thought that, you know, he would be able to deliver, you know, the appropriate leadership to our program to, to move it forward. And, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, that I observed in the, in the two years that he was coaching our program that, that, uh, helped us, you know, there was, uh, a high level of discipline and accountability. Um, our academic profile for our football program improved dramatically. Uh, there was, um, almost zero student conduct issues. And, um, you know, he just didn't put enough wins together on the field. And that's that's job number one for every head coach. And they know that. So, uh, you know, I'm thrilled to be at the point that we are with Coach Norvell. Um, I admire Jay in many ways. You know, I sat with him in Mountain West meetings for five years and had a deep appreciation for who he was as a person as a, and as a leader. And when we got to the market, you know, that that we, we did it over one weekend and I think we surveyed uh, the market accurately. And, you know, fortunately, Jay showed strong interest because we had strong interest in him. And he was the third candidate we interviewed on our first day of interviews. And we put him on a separate track. And before the end of the weekend, we had a signed term sheet and we're ready to roll. And, um, 
you know, but it's a process and I, and I get it. People are impatient. They want wins. I do too. You know, I've, I've never, you know, shoot. I mean, I, you know, I was at Oklahoma when we won a national championship. I know how that feels. I know what coach Stoops and his staff had to do to make that happen. You know, I was a part of the Michigan program for eight years. You know, the first five that I was there under coach Carr, I mean, we were, I think we're in two or three bowl game or uh, Rose bowl games, you know, I mean, it, 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 you know, I mean, this is, this has been difficult, you know, for our fans, for me, for our staff, for, and particularly for our students, our players, you know, there's nothing more than they want to do other than win. So as the AD, how much of the blame for the lack of success during your tenure fall on you in the current one and 19 against rivals? And yeah, I'll take it all. You know, I mean, if, if, People need to focus blame on anyone, you know, it's, it's me, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm responsible and, but, you know, everyone, and I've said this before to people, every one of us plays a role of some sort in changing the trajectory of a program. So either you're engaged and committed or you're doing activities and behaviors that are undermining the effort and, you can choose to get behind it and try and move it forward, or you can, you know, cast stones and, and, you know, be the angry fan who, who, uh, you know, who, who doesn't, you know, who, who maybe takes more joy in that. I don't know. You know, I, I don't know how the human psyche works in every case, but, but, you know, I, I, I want to win more than anyone wants to win. And I've been associated with programs that have won at the highest level and, you know, I, I think I got a pretty good idea of how that happens and, and what makes that work. But, you know, there's there's a certain amount of inertia that you need to overcome sometimes. And I think we're finally getting there. We're coaching Orvell in our football program. You know, I mean, Nico's been extraordinary for men's basketball. Ryan Williams has been great for women's basketball. Tom Hilbert, and now Emily Cohen. Um, you know, we've hired great coaches in men's golf and women's golf and women's tennis and soccer. I mean, it, it, uh, you know, I know those programs aren't the programs that people want to talk about most and that's fine. But, um, you know, we've gone through the same process, uh, when we've hired those coaches as we did coach Norvell. And, and I think we're going to see, uh, levels of success that people can really appreciate. I know we're getting up against the clock here, but, uh, so we can make these little shorter answers if you want. But uh, this question is from Joel and Parker, myself. Uh, what do you do to emphasize the importance of rivalries and demand demand better performances in our rivalry games? That, that's easy. I mean, it, you know, I mean, and and I think Jay has really put a huge emphasis on that, and that is, you know, you you've got to be tied to the past. You've got to understand what these games mean. So, you know, I, I think. You know, I, I'm sorry. I take a lot of time answering questions, but I, I hope it's okay for you guys. So, you know, I, I was at Michigan. I mentioned eight years. You know, the last three years I was there was Coach Rodriguez. You know, Rich, Rich tried to shift, and some to some extent, the recruiting base to areas of the country that, that 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 you know that had a lot of football talent, but probably did not um, underscore the meaning of like the Michigan Ohio State game or the Michigan Notre Dame game or the Michigan Michigan State game. And so I think you have to have a, a core group of your 
roster members that are coming from the communities that understand the rivalry because it means more. So, you know, and, and, you know, I watched those teams at Michigan over that period of time. And, and, you know, if a kid went home to Florida and they'd lost to Ohio state, no one was really going to be talking to them about that. Right. You know, it didn't, I don't think it really had the impact, the lasting impact. So, but you get a kid out of Michigan or Indiana or Illinois or Ohio on the Michigan roster and they lose to Ohio state, you know, they're never going to escape it. You know, I mean, they're, their uncle, their cousins, their grandmother, everyone's going to be, you know, you know, what happened at that game, you know, so I think you need a core group of your roster to be resident to the, the, the area of the country where those rivalries have the deepest meaning. So that's Colorado and the Western United States, you know, for us, as it relates to whether it's Air Force or CU or Wyoming. And then I think you need to have a head coach, as we do in Jay, that that brings back former players as Jay does. And they talk with deep heartfelt meaning, what those games are intended for and what they mean and um, how good you're going to feel when you accomplish a win over a rival and how challenging you're going to feel for a full year until you get to play that game again. And I, I think that's the dynamic that, that uh, you know, Jay is pushing into every corner of the locker room each and every day. So it's not just rivalry week, but it's every every day. So, um, you know, so, you know, I get it. You know, we have not managed to beat our rivals. And uh, I, I think Jay is going to change the trajectory of all of that. We're not going to be able to get to everybody's questions today. Uh, what's your gut feeling on today's hearing between the PAC two and the uh, 10 leaving members? Uh, I, I, it's, it's, I mean, the, the judge that's hearing it is right there in Eastern Washington. Um, and uh, so I, I, I would imagine that they'll get a, a ruling that's, this is just my guess. I mean, I'm not an attorney, but you know, I think, I think they'll get a ruling that's favorable to the two, two uh, you know, planned remaining members of the PAC 12. Um, that they're going to be able to, you know, be the the principals that vote the decisions related to the conference. Uh, there may be some limitations placed on what they can do with res revenue distribution for this year. I mean, that money's being earned by the entire uh, current composition of the conference, but but there's still there's still value on uh, in the balance sheet for, um, you know, reserves, the value of the Pac-12 network. Um, you know, the relationship with the Rose Bowl. Uh, and then finally, you know, uh, shares earned by by performance of the basketball programs in, in past tournaments. So, you know, I, I would guess that they're going to be able to make decisions, you know, on how on how that that uh, net net number on the balance sheet after assets and liabilities are addressed. You know, they'll be able to use that money to their benefit. I think this is a good one to end on. And uh, for the people that we didn't get to, uh, we'll make sure to save those and ask them next month with Joe. But uh, this this was a good question from Jason in Denver. who said, it appears that the days of addition to the power five, so-called power five, have now turned into a more of a subtraction. And it would seem that anyone who didn't make it onto the island by now probably isn't going to be getting any invite. See Oregon State and Washington, and Washington State. 
So as an athletic director, sell me on a new vision, paint a three, five, 10 year picture of where CSU can be. Yeah, that's easy. So, um, you know, the, the, the playoffs being expanded to 12 teams, I, I, I really believe that they're always going to keep some connectivity to the entire body of FBS football. And, you know, so our goal, our vision each and every year, you know, when we, when we reach moments of sustained success is to be the champion of the Mountain West in football and make that CFP <clears throat> playoff. And when, when you're a participant in that experience, that's transformational. I mean, we really believe that <clears throat> a vision that everyone can get behind is we want to improve the value of every CSU degree past, present, and future by making the college football playoff and NCAA postseason play in any and all of our sports. So those are the moments where you elevate awareness for your institution and you really begin to influence perception of, of what it means to be a CSU graduate. And that, that, you know, that's the model that the SCC has followed as they've built their programs. It's what the Big Ten has done for, you know, 100 plus years. Um, and it's what we should, each and every one of us should be doing. If there's not a Ram fan out there, a Ram grad out there that can't get behind that, then, you know, I've got nothing for him. All right, Joe. I appreciate you uh, being candid and, and a good sport and answering everything. And um, we appreciate you joining us every month and look forward to talking to you again soon. You bet. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right. Our thanks to Joe Parker for spending an hour with us today and answering our questions. Thanks to Mike Rowe. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good rest of your week. Let's go get win number five on Saturday. And let's go beat UNC Greeley tonight. Go Rams. Oh, Rams. Favorite colors green. I like green. I like green. Yellow. My favorite colors yellow. I like yellow. I like yellow. My favorite colors yellow. I like yellow. I like yellow. Colors, colors. What's your favorite? For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.